What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Combo Church, we have a, a, a very special guest with us today. Uh, For the last couple of weeks, we've been blessed with the worship from the Pearl Church. And as I mentioned, uh, Pastor Doug and Donna, for Kara and I, they're our pastors. They're the ones that we go to. They're the ones that we look to. So today, I'm so honored and so excited for us as a church to have the opportunity to hear from our pastor. Pastor Doug is going to be bringing the word today. So I hope that you open up your hearts, open up your Bibles, get ready to receive a message that is going to bring some change and transformation into your life. It's going to bless you. Come on, let's open our hearts. Let's get into the Word. Hey, good morning, Combo Church. I'm Pastor Doug Lassett, uh, and my wife Donna and I, we pastor a church in Denver, Colorado called the Pearl Church. Now, I'm actually one of your overseers. I'm one of your elders, and I I recognize I've met some of you, but for those that I haven't met, at some point, we'll meet. We'll all hang out. I was actually supposed to be with you preaching this spring, but something happened, and I can't, I don't know what happened, but I, I didn't get to come. So, But uh, here we are, and I want to just say uh, how proud I am of all of you. You're doing a great job. Um, Pastors Craig and Kara, Donna, and I love you so much. Uh, Honestly, if you're new to the church or if you're just checking the church out online, I I can't think of a better church to be in, and I can't think of pastors that I trust more than Craig and Kara Dyson. So I love you guys very much. I can't wait to be with you. Uh, I'm actually a fly fisherman. So I have this other little thing, like I want to come preach and I'm going to sneak off to Pyramid Lake. But, but you know, the, the Lord believes in fishermen. He loves fishermen, all right? So, but I want to, I want to talk to you today about the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm just excited to be with you. I love you so much. So let's jump in and let's get started. Um, I have been increasingly burdened lately with a message on the kingdom of God. Now, if you're old school like me, I'm a little old school. Old school, we used to preach on the kingdom of God all the time. We all grew up hearing messages about the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has taken on a fresh and new uh, meaning to me. And I think the reason is because of where we're at in 2020 uh, and all the things that are going on. Because here's what I, here's what I think. I want to make sure I say this the right way. But when things go crazy, the place we have to go to is back to the scripture. We don't go to our emotions. We don't go to our own thoughts. We don't go to our own ideas or we don't go to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. When things go nuts in life, the best place to go is back to the scriptures because the scriptures don't don't discriminate against any church or any people or anyone. They, they, They absolutely speak to where we're at all the time. That's what the Bible does, okay? So I've come back to scripture. Not that I wasn't in scripture, but I'm passionate right now about the kingdom of God because God's kingdom is not our kingdom. And 
God's kingdom is ruled by a set of principles that we don't have here on earth in the natural. And when we live by the principles that God's kingdom brings, it really is life-changing. It changes the way you think, it changes the way you talk, it changes the way you treat people, it changes the way you see the church, it changes the way you see miracles and prayer and missions when you come back to live according to God's kingdom. And so I wanna talk about the kingdom a little bit today. This is what's been on my heart for uh, the last few weeks here in our church. And this message this morning comes from Mark chapter four, verses 30 and 34. So I'm gonna read the verse and then we're gonna say a prayer, okay? Mark four, chapter, uh, chapter four, verses 30 and 34. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And I love that, but we'll come back to it. Verse 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Now remember, we can only understand so much and God's constantly trying to cause us to think and to grow and understand more. And he has to kind of wait on us. He has to treat us like little children a little bit, which is good. But he wants us to understand something. But when he was alone uh, with his disciples, he explained everything to them. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're doing in our churches. And I thank you, God, for your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless our churches, bless our people, keep everyone healthy, keep them safe. But I also pray, Father, that as the weeks go by, as 2020 disappears, and there's part of me that's like, get 2020 done. Get it out of here. Um, but as it passes, I pray that the grace of Almighty God would be poured out upon all of us, that we might feel your presence, that we might continually return home to the Scripture, to the principles of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that is living and growing inside of us, the Bible says, I pray, Jesus, you bless us today. Bless the word. I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our churches. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the kingdom of God. So I want to call this message, let me explain something to you, okay? So uh, when I was thinking about the kingdom of God a few weeks ago, and we were in the middle of some, some stuff here in our city you know, I'm, as a pastor, I'm trying to think it through. I'm trying to figure it all out. I'm trying to love people. I'm trying to, trying to grow. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I came across uh, some verses about the kingdom of God. Now, in Scripture, Jesus talks about, about leaven. And you all know what leaven is. It makes, makes bread grow, right? i got to get through this part. But it makes bread grow. He talks about three different kinds of leaven. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, he makes a comment. Now, this is really important, okay? He makes a comment. He says, I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, that's really important because, because he's saying, I want you to be careful not to become religious. But he also says, I want you to be careful not to become political. Now, now politics and religion are a part of life. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so we have to be very careful because in Jesus's life, the political system and the religious system, they just batted him back and forth. They didn't agree with each other. They couldn't get along with each other. And when they can't, when neither side could win, they just said, hey, let's crucify somebody else. They crucified Jesus. 
right? And Jesus sat there at times and wouldn't even talk to them. They would ask him questions. He'd just be like, no, I don't have anything to say to you. He wouldn't say anything. Well, that's because there was another leaven. Jesus also said in Luke 23, verse 9, he, he talked about the kingdom of God like leaven. He said the kingdom of God is like yeast that someone makes to use bread. And the kingdom of God, he goes on to say in another gospel, is growing inside of you. So the goal, here's the goal, okay? The goal is that the leaven of the kingdom of God grows in us and that the other leavens are choked out, that we don't buy into any of that. And that's really important because God's kingdom is not like our kingdom. And if we could just live kingdom, honestly, if we could live kingdom, it would change everything. But when Jesus came and the Pharisees and the politicians, when they didn't, they didn't like the kingdom that he brought, bottom line, they didn't like it. He showed up with a kingdom. He's like, yeah, my leaven's going to get into everybody. And it just ticked them all off. They got mad. Why? Because the first shall be last, right? If someone slaps you in the face, give them the other side of your face. That's weird to them. Why would I do that? If someone takes your coat, take off your shirt, you know, give them your shirt as well. You know, if you want to have stuff, you got to give all your stuff away. You know, it's all of those kind of upside down kingdom principles that did not fit in the religious hypocritical system and it didn't fit in the political system either. And so Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So we have to step up into God's kingdom. We have got to be kingdom people. We got to go up and not down. We've got to just be like, what are the kingdom principles I got to live by every day? Who do I got to forgive? Because I better forgive them. And if I find myself judging somebody, I better not judge them. And if I find one of my enemies, I better just step up at some point. Come on. And be like, the Bible says upside down, if I have an enemy, I have to love them. Love them. We're kingdom people. For the church to be the church, we've got to be kingdom people. For the church to have any impact, we've got to be kingdom people. For the church to reach everything, to be all things to all men, we better be kingdom people. We better not be choosing a bunch of sides. You know whose side we should choose? We should choose Jesus' side because if, Jesus, if we're on his side, then we're doing things to love people, help people, care for people at a level that we never have before. And we stop judging. We stop judging. And, and anyways, I'm kind of getting off on a rabbit trail. But I just believe that scripture and the kingdom of God is the key for you and for me and for our houses and for our churches. It's the kingdom of God. We got to do things the way Jesus did it. So Jesus is constantly trying to get these guys to understand the kingdom of God. He's, he's got the disciples. And in Mark chapter 4, he actually went through a few parables already. He already did some seed stuff. Some fell on this ground, some fell on this ground. He's like, ah. Then he kind of says, anyone who has an ear, please let them hear. And then you get down to, you get down to verse uh, 30, and he goes, okay, again. It's interesting because when you read it, he's, tr he's using parable after parable after parable to try to get them to understand what he's saying. 
This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's not like what you want. No, I'm not going to come back and overthrow the Roman government. No, I'm not here for a revolution. I am here for a revival. They kind of look the same because people still die sometimes, to be honest with you. And revolutions in nations and countries, where sometimes it happens because the Bible brings so much life and freedom and you can't control the scripture. And, and you know, we can be persecuted and martyred, but we still love Jesus, right? Sometimes it can be, it can be problematic, but no, Jesus is like, how do I explain this to you guys? So he says, okay, I don't know if you, you know, those of you who are parents and you, or you've ever had to explain things to your children, you know, like five times, this is the way Jesus is trying to deal with the, with the disciples. So he goes, okay, look, okay, again, just one more time, again. And he goes, ah, oh, you know. What shall we say the kingdom is like this time? What parable should we use to describe it? Okay. So he says, I want you to recognize something that I've already said to you before. Let me, let me put it this way. Back, back to this revolution thing, right? There's something here. Because, because I've heard people say that Jesus is the greatest revolutionary that walked the face of the earth. I just believe that is unequivocally false. Because if to, for a revolution to happen, it's like Jesus, are you saying that Jesus had to come down and like convince all of us to follow him to overthrow something that he wasn't already in control of? He was already in control. He's still in control. He was in control then. He's in control today. The idea that Jesus had to come down to earth and recruit a bunch of people to have an army to overthrow something is an insult to his sovereignty. It doesn't even make sense. You know, we have a revolution because God's not really in control. If we do that, we're bringing God down to our level. He wasn't trying to fix something. Jesus wasn't starting a revolution. He was trying to explain to them the way things already work. It already works this way. It worked this way before you were on the earth. It'll work this way after you're not on the earth. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He just has always been there. It's already functioning. God's kingdom is functioning, and it's not broken. We're broken. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? God's kingdom is not broken. We're broken. His kingdom is just working. Again, what am I going to say this time? What parable can I use? So I remember this one time when my daughter Kaylee was little. She's not little anymore. She's 21. Uh, she just became our youth pastor this year. I'm so proud of her. She leads worship. You know, I had dad moments. You know, I see her leading worship and I picture her about this big and, you know, and a little, little chubby. And I'm like, oh, those days are over. But there was a time. I think she was around nine or 10. I, I, I can't remember. But it was the first time we were at the mall or something, and I, I gave her a $20 bill to go buy something, and she had to bring me back to change. So I handed her a $20 bill. She goes and she buys something, and we're watching her in the store. She comes out, and she had the change in her pocket. And she took the change out of her pocket and gave it back to me. But I could tell as she was taking it out to give it back to me, something was happening in her heart. She didn't, she didn't like that part. She looked at it, and she was like, like this. She didn't like giving me the change back, but she did. So the second time it happened, here's what happened the second time. The second time, now, she's had something happen in her heart. She didn't like giving me back the money. So we go to the mall, 
I hand her a $20 bill. She goes and buys something. I'm waiting for her. She puts the money in her pocket. She comes back and she's like eating something. I said, where's my change? She said, well, dad, if you give me a 20 and I spend 10, I get to keep the change. She says, and then she said this. She goes, that's just how things work. She's like, nine. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, they, is that how it works? And I remember I said to her, I said, Kaylee, no. Let me explain to you, the child, how things work. Because this is already working. Like there's already a way that this is gonna, that this is gonna go down. It's not gonna change because you don't wanna give something. It's already the way it is. You're going to give me the change back. That's how this is going to, because I have a system. If you want the money, you got to go mow the lawn or something, you know? And so we, as God's children, have a tendency to try to act, live, and articulate things as if God needed our help to fix his system. It's already working. See, we forget, we forget, and we live like we're the sovereign and not the citizen. Like we're the fathers and not the child. And the news for us all today is God's kingdom is working. It is not broken. We are the citizen, not the sovereign. We are the child. We are not the parent. And God's kingdom, and if we can just plug into his kingdom and to what he's doing into his system... Everything changes. I'm telling you, everything changes. Uh, we treat people differently. We love people deeper. We don't judge people as much. We don't get offended as easy. I mean, I mean, people are getting so offended right now. I'm just telling you that like, if we were really working through kingdom stuff, it wouldn't happen that way. We wouldn't be getting offended every 30 seconds. We've got to be very careful. We've got to be very careful. The kingdom that is growing in us is not of this world. It's not. It's a heavenly kingdom. It's not this world's kingdom. And we've got to be, we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to sacrifice before we argue, before we have conflict, before we fight, before we judge. We should be ready to lay our lives down for the ones that we're judging. If, If we were really working like kingdom people, if the church was really there, Maybe we, we wouldn't be so judgmental. And let's be honest right now. Let's be honest for a minute. Guys, everybody, the church can be some of the most judgmental people on the planet. Because we buy into the Pharisee, the yeast of the Pharisee. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we can't have church for, for a few months. You know, and I, I understand it. Oh my gosh, I want to have church. We just started having church. We get to have 100 people in a service. I mean, that's massive revival for us right now, right? But people are like, if you don't open your doors against the government, we're going to, you know, we're going to go find another church because, because we're being persecuted. I'm like, really? Really? That's your version of persecution? H- have you been anywhere else in the world? where churches don't have buildings ever? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been to communist China where they're still meeting in secret without instruments in the bottom of a cave somewhere? Have you, you call this persecution? You, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, 
I'm sorry that your coffee shop is closed and you're grumpy. That is not persecution. And please don't send me any more videos. Because you know what? We're all going to open. The church is going to open. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about conspiracy theories or the virus. I just want to love people. I want to love Jesus. And I want to be a kingdom person. And yes, that means I sacrifice. I lay my life down for even the ones I don't agree with. I have to give them my life. Give them my life. We are so immature as Christians. We become judgmental and weird and strange. No wonder sometimes the world rejects the church. You know why? It's because we don't act like Jesus because we bought into some, I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you, right? The Pharisee spirit or, or I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to march down the street because someone's trying to shut the church down. I'm telling you, they're going to, and I'm like, you can't shut the church down. By the way, people have been trying to shut the church down for over 2,000 years. The church has been beat up. It's still walking. The church has been shot up. It's still preaching. The church has been, has been shut down and persecuted. People are still getting saved. You can't stop the church. You can't stop the spirit. You can't. There's nothing you can do. You bring it because when you bring on the persecution, we're going to bring on the presence of God. God uses persecution to grow the church. Come on, son. Somebody. We are in revival. You know why? Because we're going through stuff. You want to go through stuff? That means you want revival. We have to think this way. Otherwise, we are not being the church. So if we think for some reason that God came down here to try to recruit us, we're like saying, you're not even, not even God. See, you need to remember this. Jesus came down to us but he did not come down to our level because his kingdom is not of this world. He came down here. That's incarnation. He came down to us, but he didn't come down to our level. And he never will. And I think that we need to go up to his level. We need to love like he did. We need to talk like he talked. We need, we, need to, we need to sacrifice the way he sacrificed. Jesus sat around at tables with, with prostitutes and, and tax collectors and Pharisees and Sadducees and the, pe- the very people that would crucify him, he's having dinner with them, trying to tell them, and again, what can I tell you, the kingdom of, he's having dinner with people. The gospel is most alive. The kingdom is the most powerful when it is with people who don't know Jesus and don't love the church. We want people to not just, not just know us, but want to know what's in us. Sometimes people are going through broken things and they come and they want the church, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And we pray for them. And and they go, I I love it when you pray for me, but I don't want to be like you. Why? You know why? It's because we, we have stepped down and not up. Because we go down to that level. Our kingdom is not of this world. It's not. We want them to love us and want to be like us, not want something from us, but not want to be like us. It just doesn't make any sense. So what happens? What happens when we treat everything in the world that's going on like God's not in control 
and, and we don't embrace his kingdom principles, which are never, pow- never, never easy, never, never, they're always sacrificial and they're always backwards and they always cost us something. But what happens when we bring Jesus down? Let me tell you a byproduct of this. When, when I look at mankind, the weakness of man is that we tend to deify leaders who agree with our agendas. But we humanize Jesus when he doesn't. I'm, I'm going to say that again. We... We deify leaders when they agree with us, but we humanize the sovereign when he doesn't. Think about it. When, when Jesus doesn't agree with us, we, go fo- we, we follow man. That's the religious spirit. That's the political. No, I'm going to follow them. It's the, it's the weirdest part of mankind. But God's saying, you got to come up into the kingdom. Your kingdom's not of this world. If you deify a leader, you will live in disappointment. If you humanize Jesus, you will live without purpose. See, this is not the, this is not the way it's supposed to work, but sadly and unfortunately, this is the way a lot of people live today. They deify leaders and they end up living in disappointment because a leader will always disappoint you. And then we humanize Jesus and we don't ever live according to our purpose because to live according to the purpose, we have to live according to the kingdom principle. And we don't want that because that doesn't agree with my needs or my feelings or my emotions. Hope you're all doing okay today. I'm preaching my heart out right now in a big empty room just for you. This is how we live. We can't live this way. So the kingdom of God, we need to remember is the most powerful kingdom. It fuels the other kingdoms, but it is not of this world. It is not broken. We are. So Jesus says, what can I use? What can I say to you? And then, he, then if you read down to the bottom of this portion, it says that Jesus always, it says this, he always spoke to them in parables, always. And, and then he said, as much as they could understand. So in this conversation, he is saying that there's something in the parable that if we allow it to happen, it will change your entire existence, how you live. Verse 31, it is like, it is like, he says, it is like a mustard seed. So he starts out, it is like a mustard seed. You know, Jesus, Jesus could have compared his uh, kingdom to a forest of cedars. You know what I mean? Because cedars, they have cedars over there. He could have said, my kingdom is, uh, my king, my kingdom is like a forest of cedars already grown and strong on their own. And we're a forest of cedars. The problem is that that is, that does not characterize the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God cannot be seen in the strength of a tree. It is found in the potential of a seed. That's why everything is a seed in the kingdom. Because it doesn't, it's always starts small and it grows and it always takes some kind of death, some kind of sacrifice. That's why, that's why God didn't choose Eliab. He chose David. 
That's why he didn't choose any of David's brothers. He chose the insignificant seed in the field, the rejected dead seed of David. But he had a heart after God. That's why we have Esther in the Bible, called for such a time as this, a nobody, a nothing, a castaway, a throwaway. Even Paul himself was the least of the least of the least because he persecuted the church. God took Paul or Saul, the worst of the worst that nobody even wanted to know or be around because he, you know, if you, get, if you know Paul, you're going to die. When Paul showed up, when he showed up, the disciples didn't even believe that he was saved. They thought it was a trick to try to infiltrate them so that he could persecute them. And Barnabas had to come in and say, no, I'm vouching for this man. This man has had a genuine seed of faith of Jesus in his heart. He has completely changed his existence. It's over. And Paul gave us what? Oh, the Bible. The Bible. You see what I'm saying? And then Paul has to go to prison, a seed in a dark place. What did he write while he was in prison? Because he had a lot of time on his hands. Five books of the Bible. They're called the prison epistles. You know, it's, it's just, he starts, he doesn't say, I'm going to find the best looking, the tallest. My kingdom is like a forest of cedars. He goes, no, my kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of the small of the small. In God's kingdom, you look at what is insignificant and you see the significance in it. It's God's kingdom. So the seed, it is like a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And then he says, but yet when it's planted, it grows. When it's planted, it grows. When the seed of the kingdom, this is just kind of how seeds work, okay? The seed is planted. When any seed is planted, and it germinates, and the Holy Spirit waters it, it begins to grow. The problem is that it's growing inside of something. And that something that we call a shell is typically hard, dry, difficult. There are some seeds that you can't even, you can't even bite through with your teeth. They're so hard. But yet, when they're planted in a dark place, and when the Holy Spirit waters it. Have you ever seen like a science experiment? When my kids were little, they'd come home with these little cups. And there'd be a seed in a cup and you water the cup. You know, they put a seed in there. And, and one time I, I took the dirt and I just wanted to look at it. So I spread the dirt around. And in there I saw this black seed about this big. It, it, it was hard. It was tough. And somehow, I mean somehow, this tiny little green like shoot this vulnerable, um, soft, little, little tiny thing that if I, it looks like if I even blow on it, if I touch it, it's going to break. Somehow it got through the shell. That little thing got through the shell. <laughs> yes, because, because the Bible says 
that greater is he who is in you inside than he who is on the outside. Your shell, to really experience the kingdom of God working in any of us, we have to let it grow and it will break your shell. It will break through any shell. The vulnerable little tiny shoot, the shoot. The Bible, even in the Old Testament, calls Jesus the shoot of Jesse, the begin. The shoot will break any shell. It'll break through your judgmentalism. It'll break through your hypocrisy. It'll break through your hurts and your wounds. Some of you have been broken and you're bitter and you're angry and you're, you're crying and you're sad. You've been lied to. You've been cheated on. You've had marriage stuff, husband stuff, wife stuff, parent stuff, job stuff, church stuff. Some of you people, some people are so bitter at church leaders. They always, I will never darken the door of a church again because you've been hurt. You've been wounded. I get it. But the kingdom of God is in you and it's pushing and it's pushing. Why do you get mad? Why do you get frustrated? Why do you get um, angry? Why do you cry? I'll tell you why. Because the kingdom of God is pushing and you feel tension and something is beginning to break. Let it break and let God do what he says in this next verse. When he says it grows and 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 it grows to the point, verse 32, that it becomes the largest, the largest, period. Not the medium. This is, by the way, this is the kingdom of God we're talking about here. It becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. You see, when the kingdom of God breaks through, something in you changes. You, you don't, your arguments disappear. Your judgmentalism disappears. You know, it's just things that disappear. Your hypocrisy, your politics, and you just go, oh, I guess I'm here. I'm passing through. The Bible says that I get this many years. I'm a pilgrim passing through. My only purpose is the purpose of Jesus. The Bible says to seek and save the lost. But you don't get to choose who you think the lost people are so that you can go reach the people of your comfort level. That's not how this works because that is not sacrifice. There's a reason why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, pick up anything else. Pick up your comfortability. Pick up the person that you feel the most. I get it. We want to reach everybody. I'm there. I'm with you. But I'm telling you, the largest, the largest, the most significant you will ever experience in your life is the significance that comes through the kingdom of God working and growing inside of you. The largest, the most significant things that you will ever accomplish in life are fueled by the purposes of God. The largest the most important thing for the people that you come in contact with is that you have kingdom principles working inside of you so that you don't accept this person and reject that person. That's not God's kingdom. The largest, your actions and your ministries. Check it out. So that the birds can perch in its shade. So that others 
can perch in its shade. When I, I come from the Northwest. Uh, I, I, come from, I come from Oregon where we have lots of trees and sometimes those trees, we plant those trees for logging, for paper, for lumber. You can go to whole forests, entire forests that have thousands of trees that were planted on the same week. They're the same height. They're the same size, but they were planted. And they grow. And if you walk through those forests, someday they're going to be gone because they're going to turn them into paper. They just come in and take out the whole forest. But if you walk, you'll see little trees, little dead dying trees in between everything else. The ones that were growing, the ones that were there already. Somehow they got there and they're like this big. They're all sad looking. And eventually they die. The reason is because the trees that are in competition to grow as fast as they can because, th- because it's about the economy. So it's a, it's a different kind of a seed, it's a different kind of a yeast. Grow as fast as you can grow it. Make it as big as you can get it so we can make the most money, get these things done and start over. So the real trees are in competition, but they can't compete because these other big trees, they, these kinds of cedars, they grow and they choke out the light. They overshadow They overshadow these other trees. The Bible says that we're not supposed to overshadow. See, there is a difference between a shadow and shade. There is a difference between shade and shadow. Shadow means I'm over you. Shadow means I think I'm better than you. Shadow means I'm leaving you behind. Shadow means that my agenda is the most important thing. Shadow means that I don't care about your needs. I care about my own needs. Shadow means I've bought into this yeast and that kingdom and all these things. I've made alliances with the wrong kingdom. I'm going to overshadow you. I'm going to grow. I'm going to make it. I'm going to choke. This is what I'm going to do. I have to be right all the time. And if I'm not right, I don't even know how to function if I'm not right. By the way, I live not being right because that's the only reason why God might use any of us. I have known leaders that are significant. They were born into power and significance and position. I've known them. But they didn't know what to do with their privilege because they never learned how to be small. I'm telling you, we are not of this kingdom. I've known people that just had everything. Just, they walked into it, but they didn't know how, they didn't know what to do with it. So they did nothing because they never learned how to be small. This word in the scripture for seed is also translated, I think, six times in the New Testament as the least. If you don't learn how to be the least, God can't, God can't use you. I don't care how much you have. I don't care what your name is. I don't care who you are. You have got to learn how to be small if you ever want something God to do big. But then there's the shade. The difference between the shadow and the shade, the shadow and the shade, the shade, the shade means someone who is tired can come here. Someone who is broken can come here. Someone who's just burned out and the sun's shining and they're tired and they're thirsty can come here. Somebody who has a predator after, somebody who is, who needs safety. You can find safety in the shade of the church. You can come here. You can find your way in. You can be here. There's the, the church is supposed to grow 
at a kingdom rate, which is a lot faster than we grow because we don't use kingdom principles so that we can help people, love people, give them safety, give them food, give them shade. This is the kingdom of God. We are shade people. We're not shadow people. And I'm telling you right now, the kingdom of God, this is about the kingdom of God, but the, but the, the, the shell has got to break. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up right now. I'm done. Thank you for letting me preach today, by the way. But I want every single person, every single person, I want you to listen to me. Some of you have a shell that is hard and the Holy Spirit is watering the shell right now. And you need breakthrough. The kingdom of God wants to break through. Your life will never be the same. Your significance on earth will change forever. The way that you talk, the way that you walk, the way you love people, all of the bitterness and for unforgiveness, it'll all go away because when you really have kingdom fruit, things change. But your shell, I'm sorry that you've been hurt. I'm sorry that you're angry. I'm sorry that you disagree with things that are happening around you. I'm sorry that that person did that to you. I'm sorry that it happened. I really am. I, I, I really feel, I'm sorry. I, I know that God wants to use that in your life and turn it around for the kingdom. But you gotta forgive. You, you've gotta not be so hard. You gotta get over being stubborn. You, you gotta let those hurts and those wounds, you gotta give them to Jesus. So I'm gonna pray for you right now. So I want every person to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna, you're gonna repeat something after me, okay? So close your eyes, I'll close mine, here we go. Lord, I thank you for these people that right now, wherever they are, their eyes are closed, their hearts are open, and the shell is soft. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness and your grace. Father, I pray that you would transform these people by the word of God, the kingdom principles of God. I thank you, Father, for this moment. And Jesus, I love them so much, but I know that you love them so infinitely more than I do. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for every person that is listening to my voice. Bless them, encourage them, love them, care for them, Jesus. Now, when everyone, every single person, whether you're listening now or you're listening on a replay later in the day, this is just how the world is now. Close your eyes and pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that you died on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you allowed your shell to be crucified so that my soul could live. Jesus, today, I receive you. I'm grateful and I wanna live a kingdom life. I wanna provide shade for those that need God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I love you so much. What an incredible, I mean, I'm literally in, in this, I'm, I'm here in our facility and I'm looking around both floors. I'm just, I, I can literally feel the presence of God here right now. This is real to me. I feel the presence of God for you. I love you all. I love you so much. Thank you for letting me be with you today. 
It means the world to me, Donna, and I love you. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.